thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Running Motorsport Magazine Show Midweek Motorsport News, Features, Special Guests and Analysis from the Experts Formula One Sports Car and Endurance Racing Rallying, Touring Cars and Bikes If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score It's on Midweek Motorsport Hello everybody, just after 8 o'clock in the UK on the New Look uh, website on RS1. This is John Hindorf for Series 16, Episode 1 of Midweek Motorsport. And a Happy New Year to all of you and a Happy New Year to our executive producer Tim Greer who is up in London. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year, Tim. And on a packed Happy New Year programme tonight, Tim, we have what? We have many of the usual features. Excellent. Uh, we don't currently have any news in Spanish. Uh, oh. But uh, there's still time for that to change, remember? Because <laughs> we are live. We are live. Um, football scores we'll get to uh, in a moment, in a, a day where extraordinary scenes from the capital of the United States uh, at the moment. Uh, we'll try and take you away from that and... Uh, bring you some motorsport news of uh, just to take your minds off it just a wee bit at Spectretainment please if you'd like to get in touch with us hello to John McCarthy uh, to Martin Webster to Right Turn Lover who's catching up on the podcast uh, and apologies if I'm slightly distracted as you can imagine I've got some of the news channels up on the screens in the studio here hello to Emma Crawley to Dave Alcock who uh, is listening in uh, live tonight uh, and uh, to Neil Bourne listening for the first time in a long time at Spectretainment. Thanks, Neil. Uh, hello to Sebastian Ritz, to Kevin Payne as well. Seems like it's been months. It's not even been a month. Uh, just it has been three weeks. Three whole weeks. Three whole weeks. Uh, as well. Graham McDowell says, for those of you in the UK, has anybody worked out the point of the almost constant Porsche Cup adverts on Sky News? I just wish they had paid for a voiceover who knew how to say Porsche won make championship. Because that just, oh, absolutely extraordinary. Uh, hello to Jake. Uh, looking forward to us talking about one of the major headlines today and some good news from the US. Uh, we'll have Cooper McNeil as our big interview at 9 o'clock this evening, talking about a full season entry to GT at Le Mans. Uh, SRA smoking pup uh, to Brody as well. No EFAs. Uh, not uh, sure how you'll only manage to fill two hours. Been ever so quiet in the night. last fortnight, he says slightly sarcastically. Uh, yes, indeed. Alex Hawken, hello. Thank you very much indeed for tuning in tonight. Tommy this and Tommy that. Feast cards. Stephen Gardner. Happy New Year, Stephen. 
uh, to you, providing some sanity uh, this evening. Also to Michael Denny, to Phil, to Carol, the Brink family tuning in from Thermal and Monterey. More in a moment or two's time, but we start our new year, sadly, Tim, uh, with some... Uh, some very upsetting news uh, and some sad news from the world of motorsport. It's not been a great few weeks, I'm afraid. Indeed, and 2021 started uh, with the announcement of the death of Brian Jones, who will forever be remembered as the voice of Brands Hatch. He died at the age of 85. Uh, continuing to commentate uh, until 2015, the uh, Ford Ford Festival in 2015 was his last commentary. That was the one that uh, Joseph Newgarten won, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Or was that earlier? That was 2014, maybe. Mm, okay. um, even after retirement, Brian continued to be regularly seen at Brands Hatch and occasionally lent his voice as a guest. Jonathan Palmer, the chief executive of Motorsport Vision, who owned Brands Hatch, said Brian Jones was to Brands Hatch what Murray Walker was to Formula One. Both were synonymous with the motor racing they covered and had wonderful, distinctive and charismatic voices. Brian was a tremendous supporter of Brands Hatch particularly and of national motor racing generally. His knowledge and enthusiasm was immense, whilst he was a popular regular in the Kentigan too, where much valuable research was of course done. Brian was already a commentary legend in the 1980s when he took under his wing uh, two young, enthusiastic motorsport fans uh, who started their journeys to commentary as his helpers, uh, Mr. Paul Truswell and Mr. Jeremy Shaw. And, and, and add to that, as we'll hear in a moment, um, also Mr. Ben Edwards. Uh, indeed, yes. Mm. We uh, spoke, Brian, oh, dear sweet Brian, I never met Brian in the commentary box. I uh, you only... You stood alongside him in the commentary box. Oh, but you didn't uh, no, meet I didn't. him there, yes. No, uh, no, but no, I didn't work with him in the commentary box, I don't think, unless it was that brick car. Because yes. Brian was in the pits when I was in the box, I thought. No, he was in the pits along, uh, sorry, he was in the box uh, with you, although you were alternating. Um, I don't think we worked Matt, together. Matt is the was point. In the, uh, pit. Yes, I, I don't think we worked directly together. I have very fond memories of Brian, um, out of his comfort zone actually at Le Mans when he was doing some corporate work for Audi, and uh, as Dr. Jonathan Palmer said, uh, doing his research with a glass of tolerably good red in his hand. Um, Peter Snowden, who's one of our voices here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels, did, of course, work with Brian. And earlier on today, I spoke with Peter and asked him um, where the uh, where the partnership with uh, Brian Jones started. Brands Hatch, obviously. That's, that's where it all, it all stems from. The voice of Brands Hatch, as we know. Uh, I'd done a little bit of racing and just started. And in fact, one of my first events was at Brands Hatch on the Indy circuit. Uh, and Joe, uh, Brian being the guy who was always got involved in people that were new and starting and keen and and, and had an interest in, uh, I dare to say, young drivers, younger drivers, shall we say. I mean, obviously, Formula Ford was his big thing and became his his, his, his sort of mantra, didn't it? The Formula Ford Festival. But uh, he was very involved in talent spotting and people like uh, Tom Price, for instance, and uh, uh, helped him. I think he was an agent to him to a little bit as well. I think they had him here in a business partner, had him under contract and... Uh, and latter people like um, not just always the Welsh connection, but Carl Jones, who was also you know, involved with Tom Price, but you know Gary Ailes and 
very much a talent spotter, not not just not just calling races, but spotting the talent and and backing them. And his organisation, the Brian Jones organisation, of doing courses on media presentation, all about the drivers making themselves uh, more media savvy than just you know turning right and going round in circles fast. It would have been easy for him to to, to effectively you know put walls up around and protect his position. Uh, he wasn't like that at all, even in the commentary box. And whilst he was encouraging new talent on the track, he was always looking for new talent behind the mic as well. He was. He didn't need to, did he, John? That was the point. He had such a, an abundance of natural talent and, and confidence, quite rightly so, that uh, he didn't need to put some of those up, walls up. As you say, perhaps lesser people would have done that. He didn't do that. I mean, he, uh, you know, he spotted and picked our friend Ben Edwards. You work with him. Peter, what was you like to work with? Very clear, very concise, uh, very authoritative. Um, but as you say, very calm, encouraging. Would uh, he, he did encourage me to get started in, in this in this role uh, many years ago, alongside his son Tim at the time. I owe an awful lot to him from the, the beginning. Inevitably, with with Brian, you ended up in what was the Kentigan in those days, uh, probably with Mr. Marshall or other people around. And you had a you had a debrief, shall we say? But it was always very constructive, very helpful. And if you had the sense, you you listened and learned and and did something about it. What was the best advice he gave you, Peter? Not to interrupt him unless there's anything of any significance happening on track. Or more to the point, and if if you do interrupt me, don't continue to interrupt me. The, I think it was the line. A big character, but a very warm one as well. Hugely. And uh, it was funny when, when this was mentioned, uh, obviously news came out on New Year's Day and uh, my, my eldest daughter, who will be 15 on Saturday, and my wife remembered, she said, oh, she said, you won't remember him, Lexi, but one day Brian had a, a permanent uh, hospitality box opposite the, the commentary tower at Brands. It was his. No, I think it was number one, actually. Um, and it was a cold, wet day. We were commentating. My wife was there with a little one, and she was a babe in arms in those days. So we can say it's, you know, 14 and a half, 15 years. There we go. And um, Brian spotted this immediately. He went out a word of anything, just beckoned uh, Helen, my wife, over and just said, um, here's the key to my box. It's over there. Help yourself. Stay dry and warm. She can be in there. You can look after the, you know, there's no catering and stuff, but go and be somewhere dry and warm. And that just, we know him for the comment, but that summed up the man. I always remember that. What will you miss most about him? His smile, if I'm honest. You walked in the commentary box and it was, it was always warm and welcoming. You were there to do a job and you knew who was in charge, Brian, and that was absolutely fine. But it was always a warm, welcoming smile and that smile came from the eyes. Jones, who died on New Year's Day, uh, will not say his, like again, in the commentary box or in, in motor racing. And sadly, Tim, um, well, our obviously our condolences to Brian's family and to his many friends in motorsport, but sadly, uh, we're sending condolences not just out to the connections of Brian Jones this evening as there have been uh, some other deaths in motorsport, notable ones at that. Indeed, Aldo Andretti, the twin brother of Mario Andretti, uh, Pat Patrick, IndyCar, and uh, Champ Car Racer, uh, his death was announced today. Also the founder of Patrick Petroleum back in uh, 1962. Uh, one of the founding members of CART uh, back in 1978. And uh, also the Indy Light series when that was introduced in the yes. 1980s. 
John Paul Jr., the 1982 IMSA GT champion, also raced in kart and uh, the Indy Racing League, and for 20 years battled against Huntington's disease. Uh, Brian Shedd, the Australian racing driver, constructor and administrator, best known for the Cheetah Racing Car Company. Uh, He competed in nearly 300 races uh, in the 1970s with 112 wins and 228 podiums. Uh, He was one of the driving forces behind the establishment of Australian Formula 2 and Formula Holden, chairman of the National Track Safety Committee uh, and a life member of CAMS. Uh, John Hogan the Marlborough man. Uh, Marlborough's uh, head of motorsport, he put the sponsorship behind a number of racing drivers uh, to get them into Formula One and uh, also uh, the very long-term deal uh, with the McLaren team. Uh, was uh, He was the man behind that. And uh, finally, Claude Brasseur, uh, the actor uh, who co-drove the 1983 Dakar Rally uh, with Jackie X, uh, which they won. Yes, uh, it's been a a very, uh, very, very uh, sad week. We uh, pass our uh, condolences on to uh, all of the friends uh, and family of all of those uh, concerned in that. I, I have a feeling we missed somebody out there uh, as well. Which yes, I'll so Mr. Uh, Oli Kampfenstein, uh, the thank you, Tim. motorsport uh, journalist, writer and PR. Um, someone once described him to me as the German Sam Smith. Oh, right. I'm sure Sam Smith would describe himself as the British Oli Kampfenstein. Possibly. Uh, in fact, yes. Indeed, so uh, taking it at a ridiculously uh, young age, always made himself available uh, to journalists, answered the difficult questions when he could and said that he couldn't when he couldn't, which is, a, as a journalist, is absolutely all you can ask. It's been a really tough week for all of us in motorsport and, uh, well, we hope that the year gets a little bit better from now on. However, what I do know and what I often say after the role of honour is all of those people would expect the sport to go on and none of them would expect us to be stopping too long to consider what they had achieved. They would much more think of what the sport was all about. So that's exactly what we'll do here on Midweek Motorsport at Specutainment if you'd like to get in touch with us. Hello to uh, Ted the Toyman who's uh, listening live whilst looking for a property to buy near the Bend Motorsport Park. How uplifting is that, Ted, after all that sad news? Hello to Simon Hoff. Is he then going to complain about the news and get uh, the noise and get it shut down? Get it shut down. <laughs> no, not if I know Ted at all. To Rob Jarnett, to Serafina, listening live. Happy New Year to you. To Sergei Chenov, uh, who is listening tonight. Chris Suku, no EFAs. Uh, neither to Dave Alcock, who's tuned in, and to Kevin uh, Payne, to... Uh, Porsche Sport listening live to Series 16, Episode 1. And Jack Martin and Patrick Dron and Mickey Heth uh, listening to Midweek Motorsport, hopefully to calm things down uh, a little bit. Uh, And as Rob Jarnett says, tough start to the year. Absolutely agree. 
However, Tim Greer, what have you got for us as we move into our news section for, can you believe, Series 16, Episode 1? All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Shuffle your papers. We're going to start with some sports car news. Are we? Yes. Excellent. Uh, Because we're that sort of station. Uh, And uh, specifically, we spent uh, half of last year wondering who would succeed Gerard Neveu as uh, the man behind LMEM. uh, Le Mans Endurance Management, yes. Which runs the European Le Mans Series, Michelin Le Mans Cup and FIA World Endurance Championship. Well, we now know the answer and it's uh, 48-year-old Frédéric Lequien, who has a lot of... Uh, motorsport experience. He is a man. If you remember back 15 years or so, maybe a little bit more, uh, he was the man behind the Super Racing Weekend concept. Mm. Uh, the LG Super Racing Weekend, wasn't it? It was, yes. If I remember rightly. Uh, he's come from Eurosport and... Well, he, uh, he, he left the Eurosport in 2005. Um, yes, yes. Uh, sorry. And then went to ASO uh, where he ran the Dakar Rally. Which has just started, of course, as well. We'll talk about that later on. And then he uh, set up his own company, uh, which ran the Silkway Rally. Yes. Are you saying uh, a, a progression pattern. here? Yes. yes. A, a pattern. Yes. Um, however, the go- uh, right. So there will... B- Sorry, go on. You were going to say something else. I was going to say... what did he do? I've never met him. But people I've spoken to who know him uh, say he's a big fan of uh, anything which is endurance um, and uh, was was trying to get uh, endurance-based rallying uh, off the ground. And there will be people who will look at this and go, who? Because... You know, he's been in, in the background a little bit and he hasn't been promoted up through either LMEM or the ACO, and you know that I know certainly was uh, one of the things that was was being speculated over when we were talking about this when we heard of Girard's um, retirement from or the leaving of LMEM. But clearly, Tim, as you've detailed there, he's a man who knows motorsport. He knows the logistics and the sometimes difficult logistics. Of of motorsport, and will come in at a time when there is a bit of time. Let's be honest, to get his feet under the table. Um, new set of regulations start next year, but none of the big players are due in for a couple of seasons. So he's he's got some time. All right, sorry Toyota, and sorry Glickenhaus, and sorry um, uh, to uh, Colin Collis as well. But um, effectively, nobody's going to expect to see any big changes for quite some time. The rule sets are are set. Nick Damon uh, is is with us on the line, and um, hello, Nick. part of our hello, Nick. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, Nick, part of our uh, WEC uh, team uh, of commentators as well. Is this a good? Uh, it's never a good time to change to change the administration, the head of the administration. Um, but is, you know, has he has he sort of come in at the right time? It looks like there's a consensus 
with LMH, LMDH. There's been a lot of good news recently. So he comes in not really having to do very much other than get himself used to what's going on. Well, I think coming in um, the beginning of a major rule change always makes it a little bit easier because you can change some stuff if it's not working without any feeling you've, it's like you're changing your own concept. So he can go, I don't want that anymore. And it wasn't my idea in the first place. Um, I think probably it would be better if he'd had like a six month running period and he got to, uh, you know, shadow Gerard for a bit. That isn't necessarily the way that high um, capacity uh, executives are, are brought in. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's, in fairness, he's, you know, the, 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 I suppose Gerard left when the WEC was almost at its lowest point where no one knew what was going on, much wailing and gnashing of teeth. All we had was people pulling out and no one coming in, be it, you know, um, GTLM and everything else. And now, of course, we've had a very positive three or four months coming up, you know, with all the manufacturers supporting the LMDH concept. And so we're running in, in WEC and running at Le Mans and running elsewhere in Endurance. So he's kind of, he's kind of fallen on his feet, hasn't he, really? Tom Firth on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective on Facebook says, I'm slightly surprised, honestly expected someone inside the ACO FIA. Good time, though, if, if I look at it from the other side, good time um, for LMAM, which is uh, quasi-independent. It's a bit of a quango. Uh, it's not part of the FIA. It's not fully part of the ACO. Good time for them to bring in some new blood. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the expertise of running the system, running the championships was there. The knowledge of, of how it interfaces with the rest of the global series, including the Asian and non series, was already there as well. So bringing someone with some new ideas, with new contacts, with new, you know, why ever not? You know, I, I have no idea, you know, uh, particularly about this guy like all of us, but he seems to be working in the motorsport arena, even if he's been a little bit confused and been working at rallying, but you can soon sort that out. Um, but seriously, yeah, yeah, he's obviously got organisational experience. He's got organisational experience in difficult places in difficult countries. He's obviously done that thing where you've had to deal with, you know, the country's bureaucracy and, and, and the different working practices, which is probably what you need as a major organiser of a world championship. Nick, it took us a very long time to get you to see the lighting and get you out of... Um, an hour and a half uh, Formula One racing into endurance, but as soon as you came over and saw the light, you realised the error of your race all those years. I didn't think it didn't take very long at all. I think about two sessions in the morning in 2007, to be honest. Um, <laughs> well, but, let's hope um, it's the same. Well, no, I don't think I mean, let's be honest, the, other, the other thing, of course, is he is a Frenchman, and, you know, the passion for, for Le Mans is never stronger than Very good Frenchman. point. Very, very good point. We wish him all the best, and uh, I have no doubt that we will get the same sort of of um, access to the new man, the new CEO at the top of LMAM, as we had with Gerard Nouveau. Uh, and Pierre Fillon, of course, continues as the man, the president of the ACO. Once he gets his feet under the table, we'll get him on the show and you can ask a few questions of him. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 16, Episode 1. It is the 6th of January. Tim Gray, our executive producer, is up. In London, we're live. It's just coming up to 25 past eight in the UK. Tune in to us via RS1 on the new look, radio-show.co.uk. Tim, what do you have us next? Uh, we're staying with the World Endurance Championship uh, because we've had some driver announcements at Excellent. Inter Europol, which is a team, if you only ever watch the WC, this is a team that is moving up from the uh, European Le Mans Series and uh, Michelin Le Mans Cup, where it has been... Um, a force for many years. Yeah, uh, and uh, also, spreading course, it its wings as well. It took part in the uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Uh, Ex- season, exactly. Didn't so. it? 
Exactly so, and spreading its wings into the... And which drivers have they announced, John? Uh, I have no clue. That's, I've, I that's managed to pass it by, but them. Nick will know. I know some of them. I, I, I've forgotten the man with the money, but the uh, professional drivers are Riga van der Zander and uh, Alex Brundle for the majority of WEC season, except for Sebring, where Renger, of course, has his, his Acura job he's with now. Um, and uh, he'll be replaced for Sebring by Elio Castro Neves. But the Polish man who's actually oh, yes, paying right. for it, I've forgotten his, his name, I'm afraid. But Tim is going to tell us. Yes, I was oh, sorry, that. yes, yes it's, it's uh, Kubisch <laughs> Of course Thank it you. is. <laughs> of course it is. The, good, the, the, the thing is that you've got that is a car which is a commentator's dream because you don't make, all the various cars in their light, their various shades of red and white or blue. That car's yellow and green. It's the, it's the Norwich City of racing cars, and you don't you can see it a mile off. And don't forget they'll be in the Sebring Twelve Hours as well with Matt Bell and Devine Rao. Um, who uh, jump in with Kuba Smikowski as well. Uh, their LMP2 programme going over, as Tim says, to the WEC. It's been in the planning uh, for a little while. Very good news for FIA WEC's LMP2 Greek, but it does mean that they are, um, they are missing in action, if you will, from the ELMS grid. And as Shea just reminds me, Renga is staying with uh Cadillac. with Cadillac but moving to a new team he's off to Chip Ganassi uh, isn't he because he was uh, he was on the program the other uh, week uh, so what three or Hell four weeks said, I'm ago super now. excited to be able to race at the WAEC with into your pole competition for the Sebring race uh, we were talking last year and now we're able to do something uh, Alex Brundle said it's great to be back racing on the world stage and at some circuits I really enjoy I certainly Joining an impressive drive rush, and I can't wait to start pushing the car with Kuba, Rengo, and Helio. And Rengo van der Zander said, It's a privilege to be adding the WEC program with Interiopol competition to my Chip Ganassi Racing with Cadillac program in IMSA next season. That's my base program, and of course, I'm happy to be going back to Le Mans as well, such an iconic circus and race. Yeah, and that, uh, the reason that Helio's jumping in, of course, is because of clashing commitments, isn't it? So, yes, uh, as that, Nick said. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yes, just in case anybody uh, missed that. On Specutainment, Dave Alcock says, and I uh, think LMEM have made a sensible and pragmatic call with their new appointment. He's got some new ideas from outside. Endurance racing, enough in-depth knowledge to div- deliver continuity and familiarity with the pass. And Rob Jenner says, ooh, still have the hat from Marsh King, the LG Super Racing weekend. They were brilliant. And Ted the Toyman says, if I do get the house, the... Uh, the Ben Motorsport Park, the noise calms me down. <laughs> Excellent. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, moving on, coming on to just after 25 past eight in the UK. Glickenhouse. Oh, yes, go on, carry on. to tie up with Yoast. This is interesting, and not just Yoast either, Nick. Well, it is Yoast. What, what, what do you mean, not just Yoast? So Yoast and Sauber. Well, Sauber. Oh, Yost. and Sauber. Okay. Mm. I don't now quite you've been, how that links together. So, well, because of what facilities each of those organisations well, uh, yeah, have. This is a good point, actually, because that, of course, Glickenhaus being an independent manufacturer and um, coming in from yesterday, from two days ago, of course, is much bigger resource restrictions for all the teams. Correct. And one of the things which Sauber is famed for, of course, is massive supercomputers to run CFD. Well, they're limited in the amount they can use it. 
Yeah. So they've got quite a lot of free time on their CFD and their wind tunnels. So I think wind we're going to see a lot more. Nah, we're going to see don't. a lot more of these uh, these partnerships. Now, now my brain's back engaged. I can see the whole point behind it. Yeah, wind, um, wind tunnel you know. was the right was the right answer uh, as well there. And the other thing is, and I may be slightly encroaching on Formula One years, which will come in earlier on. But you've, I know somebody when this was announced said, "Ooh, uh, that's interesting." Sauber. Now we know how much the Alfa Romeo sponsorship is worth. Well, of course, you've been talking about this for quite some time, but the Alfa Romeo money disappears at the end of this year, according that to is, your sources. Well, that is the the, the understanding is, is you know, you know, weird things happen, uh, especially within pandemic times, but the contract is very much thought to be coming to an end at the end of this year. Now, the only grey area on this whole thing is how that affects the Ferrari relationship moving mm. forward because they actually are separate. I know because don't forget Ferrari and Alfa Romeo have very very limited crossover these days. The way that FCA is sorry the Fiat Chrysler organization which is about to merge obviously with um, is it Persia the merger I can't remember um, with Persia they, they they get even bigger and with a very Ferrari, silly name Ferrari is separate. Mm. Um, so the, the, this, this years gone by, absolutely. Alfa Romeo, Ferrari, Maserati, all the same, but they're not anymore. Ferrari is, a, is, a, is an offshoot, and they have their own issues where they need to start, um, you know, getting rid of the people they have to get rid of because of resource restrictions as well, and they don't want to fire anyone, so they're, they're going to be looking to place them all over the shop. This is this is the the merger between FCA, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, and uh, Peugeot, uh, PSA. They have made now the fourth biggest uh, auto manufacturer in the world uh it's been cleared it's going to happen um Peugeot trying to reintroduce the Peugeot brand into North America and I'm I'm trying to find uh, Stellantis that's right forget that forget that because it's a silly name made up by a marketing company Stellantis, not important. What's important is what it all brings together. And the other thing is, as many people have been asking what happens to Ferrari, listen to what Nick has just said. Ferrari aren't involved in this. And, and that's really important, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it's, this is the first of, I think you're going to see many of these tie-ups um, with other elements of motorsport, be it directly taken on. You know, this is why the, you know, I listened to the, uh, the very good um, prototype panel on, on a couple of my runs over the Christmas. Well, I wheezed. I was listening to it over my wheezing anyway. Um, and this is the, the point that was made about, you know, the Ferrari going to uh, LMDH or LMH. It, it's not far-fetched as it used to be. It's not just a threat. threat. It's, the point is they've got people they need to employ. They've got facilities they need to use. Uh, and by, by effectively the beginning of next year before they have to start firing people, which they don't want to do and it's very hard to do in Italy. So, you know, they'd much rather re re you know, reallocate them to other motorsport environments. Uh, and Glickenhaus have tied up with Joost and Sauber using, as Jim uh, says, Jim Cameron says, uh, d uh, uh, Jim uh, Glickenhaus says about um, uh, using their resources that, that Glickenhaus uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't have. Remember, they've got the normally aspirated hypercar that they're also building as a road car. They're absolutely out on a limb. They're on their own in terms of the decisions they've made for the top class of a prototype racing uh, globally. Uh, they're bringing in some interesting people. What my interest is, and we'll move on in a second, Tim. I, I know we're, we're burning a bit of time here. My interest is here, what is, le and, and I say this seriously and with much love for Reinhold Joost and Ralph Jutner and everybody else, what is left of Joost 
after they wound up their association with Multimatic and Mazda, which in all honesty didn't go that well. Um, yeah. They, they set up a place in Atlanta, uh, in Georgia, uh, and it's it didn't it didn't work for them. They weren't the force that they had been. What can they do? Um, will they enter the cars? We don't know. What can they do? And, and, and what's left of Yost from from what we because they they were talking not so very long ago, uh, Nick, and we reported on this program about winding the whole thing up. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, the, the fact is that Yost have obviously been an integral part of the Audi presence within Le Mans for many, many years. And then, as you say, they transferred across to Mazda. They, 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 they effectively do run factory teams. But the fact they've not been running a factory team for a while, those very skilled mechanics will have looked for other avenues. Good so, point. yeah, I mean, there'll be people there. They may well be, given the difficulty of the of the environment, some of those skilled mechanics who couldn't find avenues elsewhere. Um so it'd be interesting to see who is left. But I mean, the, 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 I don't think I think you know, the, as long as the, the, the senior management is there, the 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 knowledge will be there. It's a case of just reforming a team again. Yeah, uh, and uh, also it sort of looks then like any Audi effort that we've been reporting on will not be going back to Yost. Although a couple well, we of knew other that Audi... anyway, didn't we? Well, we did because we've been talking about a couple of other we've Audi been customer about teams. The fact that they tied up with other teams. Yeah, uh, and and also. Other Audi customer teams, current customer teams in GT, are going to start running LMP2s, as Andrew Cotton again said. And if you haven't listened to the prototype panel, there's a lot of stuff in there um, that is starting to look like, oh, hello, we had our crystal ball out. Andrew Cotton, editor of, of, of Race Car Engineering, with some very good points in that. Midweek Motorsport, Series 16, Episode 1. Tim Gray, uh, staying with sports cars or staying moving Staying with Glickenhaus. Oh, uh, because the other thing they announced was that uh, they would not be joining the WEC until Spa. This is, I think this is disappointing. A lot of people saying, well, it makes sense because why would you go to Sebring? Well, first of all, in the current climate, actually, I don't think Sebring WEC will happen. Uh, the strong rumours from people inside the WEC who've been talking to teams even as long ago as the Bahrain uh, event is that the first uh, 20... 21 WEC will move to Portimao uh, in April. Um, I, I think that's slightly disappointing from Glickenhaus. They've, they've had a lot of time to do this. It makes me wonder if their programme is on on track. You might say, why would you debut a new car at Sebring? But, you know, lots of people test cars at Sebring before they go out and, and race them. They've been making a lot of noise about people building supercars and then not racing them. And then for to have announced a, uh, a race programme and then decided they're not going to go and race at the first round of the championship unless they know something else. And maybe they will be at Portimao in April. It basically means if they don't go there, they can't win the championship. So yeah, I, but they weren't going anyway, were they? But, that, but they've been talking like they were going to, Nick. <laughs> As we know these days, we, people can use talk for all sorts of reasons, not necessarily all of them good. Um, the fact is that, you know, I think it, it, you come down and look at it pragma pragmatically. They know they have no competition they can race against this year because they're only going to have Toyota. And, and it, you know, it, will the bike collars turn up? Well, they've not done anything yet. So, so why do they, they don't need to run the car at Sebring. They just need to run the car at Le Mans. 
And so they'll just do the warm-up race um, at Spa and go on to Le Mans like so many other people do. I mean, I think it's disappointing, but I can see the rationale behind it because do you need to put 12 hours on the car at Sebring in a race when you could just spend the money, you know, doing a test or half the money doing a test? Uh, Less than half ask... the money doing the test because you don't have to go to America to do it. Well, they're already in America. They're in America. <laughs> they're in Connecticut. Um, uh, do, uh, ask, ask Brad Kettler and Audi what happens when you don't do any races before you go to Le Mans one year and, and say what happens. Yeah, but they're not doing races before Le Mans. They're going to Spa. Yeah. Yeah, and also Audi were racing the Mighty Persia that year. Mm. Yeah, well, well, okay. Let's move I, on. I, I, I'm, Which, just, I'm just saying. Let's I'm move ju- on. Which Le Mans winner has uh, been a naughty boy oh, this Tim. week? Tim. Yes. Just hang on. Just hang on. Um, the whole point of them going to Le Mans is to have a good showing. It's not going to be very good for Glickenhaus if they go out after 25 minutes. And if they don't go racing before that to any seri- with any serious amount of intent, then their risk going to Le Mans, everybody expects them to come third behind the Toyotas. They risk not getting to the end, and that would not look very good. And that's why I say that. And I, again, I'm not saying that in a bad way, for Glickenhaus, I'm just saying, as Tim's, as Nick says, it's a bit disappointing and it may backfire on them. I hope it doesn't. Okay, sorry, move on. Which Le Mans winner has uh, got into trouble this week? Hmm. Or well, last about week, in fact. 300 to choose from, so that doesn't narrow it down very much, does it really? Uh, this is a Scottish one. Well, Scottish winner? Oh, is it Alan McNish? It's not. Oh, Peter Dunbreck? It's not Peter Dunbreck. I think he won Le Mans. Uh, was it a class winner or overall winner? I think he won overall. Um, it was a long time ago, uh, so I can't really remember. A long time ago. Um, All right, tell us. John Crichton Stewart, 7th Earl of Butte. Oh, oh, oh Johnny, Johnny. Oh, hmm. on the tip of my tongue. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Johnny Butte. What's he done? Uh, he travelled from London to the Isle of Butte. Right. Okay. Well, after after Wednesday, it's not the only one, though. Really. On the twenty uh, first, after the restrictions uh, were put in place uh, by the uh, Scottish Parliament. The reason I always forget the seventh Marcus of Butte, John Crichton Stewart, Johnny Butte, um, or Johnny Dumfries, as he's sometimes uh, known. Well, in his single-seater uh, career, was known. Yes. Yes. It, uh, is he won in nineteen ninety-eight Le Mans, which was the year before I first went. Let's move on to the Asian Mans series. Sixty-two. He is sixty-two. Yes. No way. I'm sorry. I've just looked that up. Oh my goodness me! I remember when I came back from the Gulf War to the test at Le Mans. He was the, literally the first person I saw, and he hadn't been at Le Mans for quite a while. He was wearing brand new, um, shiny white overalls, and I, I walked up and sat down to have a cup of coffee with him. And I think the late and uh, much missed Mike Purry and said, Ah. Hello, sir. How are you? What are you doing here? He says, what the point? What are you doing here? I thought you were in the Gulf. <laughs> Let's move on to the yeah. Asian Le Mans series. And right. uh, some new entries have been announced since we last talked about the it's Asian all, Le Mans series. Including Kessel Racing. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell us about the Kessel Racing entry? Uh, no, I'm not. Sorry, I'm busy typing something else. Carry okay. on. In that case, uh, there's also a new entry for Racing Team India. Uh, which will feature Arjun Maini, Naveen Rao, and Narain Karthikeyan. Right. 
And that's particularly good news because that's an Asian entry for the Asian Le Mans series, which was starting to look like a lot of European pot hunters uh, filling three quarters <laughs> of the grid. What you're saying basically is it, it was just it was just colonialism all over again. So it, so it, rather than take everything back to the British Museum, they do it all back to La Sarthe. Well, yes, with their entry that they got by winning. Am I being cynical? Uh, no. Listen, you know what? I, I would a couple of seasons ago. Honestly, a couple of seasons ago, I would have said that 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 was you know probably happening happening quite a lot. Um, now I think, and, and we've had Cyril Teshvalen uh, on this show a couple of times. I think the level of competition's gone up um, quite a bit, uh, actually. Oh, it certainly and has. But there's still nine. Asian teams and 27 European teams. Uh, yes, but it's getting better, and, and that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to help to... There's there's far more uh, Asian drivers in it as well, if not full teams. Um, Optimum Motorsport have, have jumped in. Uh, Algarve Pro, I think we recorded uh, reported a couple of weeks ago before Christmas, their second LMP2 car. Um Racing Team India formation is is very big news uh, for those guys, and they'll be racing in the Indian flag colours. And aren't Garage 59 back in there with a couple of Aston Martin vantages as well? They are. Mm-hmm. Uh, some more sports cars in the second hour of the show, including our big interview with Cooper McNeil. Uh, yes, but for now, we're going to states. move on to uh, rallying. Hooray! And Gus Greensmith has uh, been announced as a full-time FIA World Rally Championship driver with M Sport Ford for 2021. Season gets underway with the Monte Carlo Rally next week. Possibly. Gus has been doing selected events with M Sport Ford. Uh, you'll, you'll remember if you were following the championship last year, he went off about 200 yards further down the track than Elvin Evans ended his hopes of winning the championship on the Rally Monza uh, for the last championship. Uh, he's he's blown a little bit hot and cold, Gus. He is gaining experience. There's no doubt about his speed. Of uh, It's time for a full season for him, and this will do him the power of good, I reckon. The second Demosport forward will be shared by Timo Suninen and Adrien Fumo. Uh, over the course of the season. Uh, Gus Greensmith said, I'm really proud to represent M Sport Ford and incredibly grateful for the opportunity of a full season in the FIA World Rally Championship. Ever since I was a young boy, this has been my dream, and I really look forward <laughs> to getting started. Ever since he was a young boy. Very good. Uh, Very good. Uh, was with the team in both 2019 and 2020, uh, and this year has a new co-driver, as his uh, former co-driver, Yamo Leitinen, uh, has decided to step down. Uh, but his new co-driver is yet to be announced, so we'll come back to that once it is. Yet to be? Where's he from? Yet to be announced? What couldn't we say from? I think he's also Finnish. Oh, OK, yes, yet to be, obviously. Very good. Let's, move, off. let's move on to Formula One. Hooray for 2021 hurrahing! And Formula I One. I did get to the third much quicker than normally. <laughs> Maybe too quickly. I could barely hear. Yeah. Nick. Okay. Okay. That's probably just as well. Twenty twenty one Formula One is uh, regressing. Well, it's regressing by ten minutes. An hour and ten minutes. An hour and ten minutes, mate. Six, no, no. Seventy minutes. Uh, Fourteen hundred no, no, no. race starts instead of fifteen ten. Officially ten minutes. 
Right. I think at the moment. The second bit hasn't been agreed yet, though. It's likely to happen. Ah, ah right. So it's going back to the top of the... Right. What this is, is uh, Green Flag, rather than being 10 past the hour, is going back to the top of the hour. And the yep. second part of this, it's going to move from Central European time, 3 o'clock, to Central European time, 2 o'clock, possibly, maybe. That's that's the... the Gist of it. Skinny, yes. Um, both of which... The, um, I'm not quite sure. They moved it to 10 past because they wanted to give TV companies a chance to come up at the hour. Um, you know, not, not Sky, who give you 11 and a half hours of build-up. Just ordinary TV companies. Give you 10 minutes, a, a quick, quick scout around and start the race. Uh, apparently, that's not been that's not provided anything at all. So they're really? now not going to do it. I don't, I'm, I'm surprised about this. It it's had much said, neater on the schedules, Tim, isn't it? I, I mean, you know. I, I quite liked it. I, I must be a big fan of 10 past it. the hour. Why if, did if you I, dislike if, it, Tim? If I was one of those TV broadcasters... Um, yeah. then I would like it because I'd come on at half past the hour. Um, yes. I could use my full commercial minutage in that clock hour. I've then got 10 minutes of commercial minutage I could take in th- the next clock hour before the race starts, and then I can have more commercial minutage after the race ends in my third hour. So that that's great for me commercially as a, as a broadcaster, but um, as everyone is showing it uninterrupted with 11 and a half hours of build-up now, then... Well, you know, RTL's been sacked, yeah. You, you always... You hate us starting at 10 past uh, uh, at anything other than the top of the hour, though, don't you? I think top of the hour and bottom of the hour are much easier for viewers and listeners to uh, get a grasp on. Okay. And obviously, yeah, course, I, I'd still want my viewers time. as... As uh, the manager of this uh, fictitious TV station, I still want my viewers to tune in at <laughs> the top of the hour because that way they get to watch the 10 minutes of commercials that we can put in before the green flag slap. Okay. There was a third piece of, uh, of timing announcement there is, before yes. Christmas that we missed in Which that the maximum length of the Grand Prix has been reduced. From to four hours to three hours. Three, to three hours. Ah, right. That's, that's from the... Green first, first green lights, yeah. Right, okay. Not sure, I'm not sure whether that would have affected the most recent Bahrain Grand Prix. I it couldn't wouldn't. remember how long the red flag was. It was, was two it was hours and 59 minutes. Or oh, right, Lewis, okay. Lewis's winning time was two hours 59 minutes. Yeah. I think, I, I'm not I'm sure I agree with that, but I, it, it's obviously very rare it'll happen. It, there will be a time when they'll have conditions which aren't very good and they'll end up giving half points where they've waited an extra hour. They wouldn't have had to, but, you know, once every two years, so I suppose that's what you do. Uh, China's place on the calendar is in doubt. Well, first of all, um, also in doubt and not definitely postponed, though it will be, is Australia, which I believe we said from the moment the calendar first came out, it was never going to happen um, in that time frame. So we've lost Australia. We may have lost Australia. I mean, it seems that the argument behind this rumour is that Formula One has scheduled a pre-season test in Bahrain and the second race is in Bahrain. no, 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 no. No, Tim, you're getting the whole time scale wrong on this one. What has happened is now we've the, the, the sporting world has found out the restrictions around the Melbourne Open tennis. They've realised what they wanted to do, which was a safe COVID bubble a la Abu Dhabi, which if you think about Yas Marina, which is on an island <laughs> on its own and can be locked down very easily if you have the, uh, the, the big you know, multicoloured hotel and the track. Not a hard thing to do. Possibly won't work in Australia now, but... In a, in a public park there, where people can just walk the through the with their sheep. Mm. Yeah. So the, 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 so the Australians said, no, no, we're not going to do that. You can still come, but you have to have everyone on a two-week 
arrival quarantine, which whilst financially isn't the issue, the issue is they haven't got two weeks out of their staff all tied up. So they're now going, that's not going to work. And I think if I'm really honest with you, I don't think the, the Australian um, corporation wants it either because they only make money out of cash, uh, out of the people walking through the gate. And that isn't going to happen either, the current situation. So that's not going to happen, which means that the ooh, season will start ooh, the following ooh, week. Oh, 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 I've been watching the big bash and in certain states in Australia, they've got full crowds. Yes, but they just don't remember they reduced crowds, the crowds and they reduced the crowds for the most recent test matches because they had an outbreak. So they are, you know how jittery they are. Anyway, it doesn't matter because the point about it is it's not going to happen. And the race, and so therefore the season will start in Bahrain the following week. And therefore, double therefore, the teams have said, or some of the teams say, well, well, rather than testing in Barcelona where it'll be near weather, why don't we test in Bahrain? It'll be nice weather now and also cheaper. And the argument this will be now, there anywhere. And the argument now, well, the argument now is, is when to test, whereas the week before or two weeks before. Now, some teams want the week before because, you know, they want longer to build the car and it'll be less people out there. The bigger teams want two weeks before. So if anything raises ugly head during that test, they've got more time to fix it. True. Good point. Good point. And that's that's the candidate. The second what, part of the candidate is China. Then? China well, China's now un, in doubt as well, mainly because China ironically, doesn't want to re-import the virus, having exported it in the first place. Uh, and, of course, it's, um, you know, it's true. Uh, they don't want all us Europeans coming over in our highly infected state with our, with our new variant. So they're, they're now a bit jittery about letting people in regardless. So F1 now bracing itself not to have China. The good news is that, that if that happens, they no longer have to bother whether to have Imola or Portimao because they'll have both. Uh, in those two early slots. Mm. And then the question is, can they find a way of fitting Albert Park back into the back end of the season, um, which is really hard because Australia can't back-to-back anything very easily, so it's going to take a, like a two weeks either side. I've seen a... Yeah, what's that weekday back-to-back, um, or year they back-to-back with Malaysia, wasn't there? No, they don't mind going. They don't mind go, starting Australia and going somewhere else, but they don't want to come from somewhere else and go to Australia in a week and then go on again. No. Um, it's 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 so anyway. So I have seen a proposal which sticks it in. I think on the twenty something of November, um, uh, just before Saudi Arabia, where we finish off with Saudi Arabia and uh, Yas Marina, mm. and I think it's after a, a moved Brazil because I think they're going to do that, that. That would require a triple header in the states. So you go North America, Central America, South America. So Austin, Mexico, Brazil, which sounds horrendous. Also, I'm not overly sure whether the Australian corporation really wants to run two races in four months as soon as the world gets back to normal and they have their March date again. So, but those are being uh, so basically just to summate everything up. Um, Australia isn't going to happen. The test will be at Bahrain. Don't know where. It looks very likely that China will be off which case Imola and Portimao replace it. If China's not off, unfortunately, it looks like Imola's going to get the nod over Portimao for that TBA oh, date. Oh, no. Uh, Vietnam at the moment. But I think maybe it may be a problem. They may both get it. Yeah, it's cash, John. Okay. Uh, but Spain's definitely going ahead, Nick. Yes. Yeah, God, why it. not? Because yeah, the, uh, the, well, you know. the regional government has authorised the circuit to negotiate and sign a contract uh, which was needed to host the race. But if you think about it, Spain next next year and for the ne- at least next couple of years, Spain has their national hero back and their uh, other hero point. driving for Ferrari. Yeah, so realistically, good. it's the best Spanish driver lineup ever for PR. So you kind very of think, good. you know, they shouldn't have a really have a problem filling the stands if they're allowed to. A yeah, regional government spokesman said 
The signature guarantees a celebration of the 31st consecutive edition of this event at the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia. The F1 Grand Prix is an asset that contributes to Catalonia's position in the world in the fields of tourism and automotive. Mm. It is the Spanish Grand Prix, though. I've got some tweets before. Have you got my F1 news? Yes, we've got two more F1s. Well, three, right, really. Very, very quickly, uh, I want to quickly go back to uh, the rallying. Rob Gina. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Matthew Hindman says, and this is a great start, which I didn't know. Uh, did you know Gus Greensmith, in his youth, was part of the Manchester City Academy as a goalkeeper? Yes. No? Ben Constituers yeah. told me that. In fact, he might have really? told all of us that on the air during our WRC preview last year. Uh, did really? Yes. I don't, I don't think I was on that. Uh, Rob Janer says, I reckon Formula One start time has been moved so that it looks better on the Rolex adverts for the big clock showing the exact hour time. That could be. Uh, Simon Hoff says, Johnny Dumfries may be a racing driver. Well, his game Grand Prix simulator did for the Commodore 64 and 128 from, it, that was an early Codemasters release, if I'm not mistaken. And I've just pulled up a screenshot. In fact, I'm going to retweet that because that is absolutely, it looks like a board game. Fantastic. Uh, Dave Alcock says, I was worried this year I would run far more smoothly and give Tim only a single version of each series calendar to deal with for 2021. Looks as though Tim still has plenty of calendar revisions to oh, catch yes. up on and talk about this year. Jack Martin says, no way the Oz Grand Prix will happen as advertised. The COVID rules down here are so contradictory. Plus, we're starting to have flare-ups of COVID. So at the moment, it won't work. And indeed, actually, the, the Open Tennis, I think, is going to be moved again. They, they were talking about having their qualifying rounds in UAE, I think, uh, before that. Uh, right, team, coming up to 5-2, we've got the big interview and some very good IMSA uh, uh, GT Le Mans news coming up after the hour. Uh, let's finish off with Formula One. Uh, so Lando Norris, Nick. He's not very well. He's got COVID. Um, um, Nick. There's, a, there's Nick, an interesting story, uh, or sorry, an interesting post on the Midwick Motorsport uh, Facebook selector. <laughs> exactly Richard Reeves, what I was going to say. Says, the only F1 drivers who tested positive last year had Mercedes engines. McLaren That's have only just switched to Mercedes and Lando already has COVID. Mm. Now, I'd like to revise this. Uh, by not using Mercedes engines, but Mercedes gearboxes. Ah. Which brings us nicely onto our next story, which is that Williams are going to use a Mercedes gearbox this year. Yes. So what's happened is Donaldson Capital have taken over and a wave of common sense has swept through uh, <laughs> uh, the factory. And whilst you know we appreciate the reasons, it's theoretically that Frank and, and Claire wanted to carry on making their own gearboxes uh, to keep some gearbox technicians employed, it was a ridiculous idea on competitive levels because they weren't going to make a gearbox as good as um, Mercedes and they had to use the, gear, the gearbox mounting points anyway. So if ever there was a mechanical folly, it was building your own gearbox in a day when you don't need to. So well done, Dawson, for taking the most obvious step ever. And I sincerely hope that they manage to redeploy those um, technicians elsewhere. My guess is that a skilled gearbox builder will not be short of work in the, in the carbon fibre triangle. Mm -hmm. But uh, it doesn't necessarily mean he loses his job at Williams. He'll just be rebuilding no, no, Mercedes no, no. gearboxes rather than mm. building their own. Yep. yep. Uh, Nikita Marzipan is undergoing special training. Marzipan. Or, or sensitivity training, I hope. No, this is or... lie detectors. What, really? how to beat them? No, they're using uh, lie detector technology to reduce his stress levels. 
What? So it is. So it is actually how to beat the lie detector test because that is exactly a, a fe- yes. It's all it, about it, stress. It, it's all about measuring uh, the, the measurable parts, allegedly measurable parts of stress when being confronted with questioning, direct questioning, and uh, you can be taught to control the responses both in your heart rate and potentially uh, sweating uh, and other non-verbal clues at, uh, on how to, to beat that. If I want to get my heart rate down, I always hum a quite a slow tune in my head. I, I tend to use the Dance of the Nights from Romeo and Juliet, actually. You know. For the last three years, I've been working with an Italian who also works with Ferrari, said uh, Nikita. We prepare with the same sensors that are used in a lie detector. You collect yep. a lot of information on your body and try to control it with the help of breathing and other auxiliary things to reduce stress in moments of strong pressure, like at the beginning or end of a race when you need to defend your position. And apparently that same Italian who worked and apparently that same Italian who worked with Ferrari, Nick, uh, was also very good with the fuel flow sensors. Amazing, isn't he? Amazing. Calm those right down. Right down. <laughs> and finally in Formula One, uh, Alex Albon is uh, going to race in DTM GT3 sometimes when he's not yes. busy standing at the back of a garage. Yes, he's got his back of the garage duties. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's nice to give him some, some run out and keeping him fresh. I don't, you know, Alex is in a bit of a difficult situation, really, because he hasn't even got a, an outlet that uh, Pierre Gasly had to go back to um, Toro Rosso, so or sorry, Alpha Tauri. So he's, um, yeah, he's I kind of don't, I don't really see where he's going to go from this. So he better start uh, sharpening up his, uh, his his roofed driving to try and get himself a, a place, and perhaps he can join the Exodus to P2 and MDH to get himself a nice paid job with the manufacturer. The interesting thing about that is not Alex Albon. It's the fact that Red Bull are going to go DTM racing because Red Bull don't have a car, and it's going to be GT3, isn't it? There have been Red Bull-sponsored said... cars in DTM before, yeah, yeah. though. No, 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 absolutely. But Red Bull now aren't, next year, aren't involved with Aston Martin. They've still got Honda engines. They haven't mentioned in that in that release what GT3 car they'll be using, but they're talking about a two-car Red Bull entry, one driver per car, so two drivers. Um, in fact, I think they've mentioned the other driver as well, if, if memory serves, but they haven't said which car yet. So this is interesting because this is not a manufacturer entry that we're talking about. This is a direct sponsor entry into DTM. Gerhard Berger will be very, very happy. And yeah. Very happy. Uh, yeah, Matthias Ekstrom's not. Why uh, not? Matthias Ekstrom thinks uh, DTM is uh, at risk of being overrun by pay drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the world of motorsport. Indeed. Uh, mm. Alex Albon's not the only Red Bull driver who's going to be doing DTM this year. Isn't he? No. Um, <laughs> the, that's the, 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 the reporting of this has... He's given up DJ. The, the reporting of this is very much focused on Alex Albon, but there are actually two Red Bull drivers, uh, the other one being Liam Lawson. Right, OK. Yes. Sorry, I thought you meant another one of the Red Bull drivers from their F1 programme of, of past, who they fired previously on no, many occasions. No, before. someone who's still in their young driver programme. Mm-hmm. Right, OK. Uh, if you've never heard of him, he's from New Zealand and... Uh, He's won in Formula Ford, Formula 4, Formula 1st, Formula 3 Asia and the Toyota Racing Series. Uh, we've got some news yeah. c- coming up of another Antipodean driver 
who we thought would be dropped by a manufacturer, who will have some work in IMSA next year. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, is that it for the first hour, Tim? That is it for the first hour, which means we need to do still to come, doesn't it? So uh, yes, it does. Button. Midweek Motorsport. And don't you dare switch off now, because the next hour is going to be even better. Uh, just to uh, just to let you know that we will be replaying a Brick Car 24 hours after uh, we have finished tonight, which does include the inimitable Brian Jones. That comes up at 10 o'clock. It's worth listening to, particularly in the night section uh, when the fog stops the race. Brian at his absolute best. Uh, coming up, Shea Adam will be joining us with some IMSA news. We've got some IndyCar news as well. But next, it's some good news for GT Le Mans fans in IMSA. Uh, we're talking about the return of Porsche to GTLM. We thought they were going to disappear. That's in the second hour of episode one of series 16 of Midweek Motorsport. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. So if you have been paying attention today, you will have seen the pre- press release, which thanks to Carl Chura, we got, uh, I think before everybody else, and managed to tweet it out and get it on the uh, listeners collective uh, about a new full season entry for GT Le Mans in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. We had thought that the WeatherTech Ferrari team would be doing Rolex. Hasn't quite worked out like that. They've changed manufacturer and it's a full season entry instead. Earlier on today, I spoke to Cooper McNeil and asked him how all this came about. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, John. First and foremost, um, we were trying to put our deal together for uh, the 2021 season. And, you know, let me first st- first start out by saying that I love Ferrari. I love the race car. I, I, uh, I love I love everything that the Italians do. Um, and uh, I was looking forward to running a GTLM Ferrari, um, but due to certain circumstances, we uh, unfortunately had that deal fall through. And, uh, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. So we had the opportunity to join forces, rejoin forces with, uh, with Porsche. Last time I was with them was 2016 in the GT3R. Um, and I won uh, two ALMS GTC championships with Porsche in 2012 and 2013. So uh, my father raced at the 12 hours of Sebring in uh, 1999 in a Porsche and uh, finished second with Alex Job Racing. So we have a lot of history with Porsche, a lot of heritage, a lot of success and a really good relationship. So as I said, when one door closes, another one opens and uh, the door that opened happened to be the, uh, the Porsche door. So, um, we, uh, obviously had the relationship from before with Christian Reed, um, and Proton, uh, racing at Le Mans, uh, in the past. Um, unfortunately I actually got really, really sick, um, before that race at Le Mans at 103 degree fever the morning <laughs> of the race and couldn't drive, uh, which is really, really unfortunate. But, uh, anyways, we had the relationship, the relationship was already there and, and, um, with uh, Porsche AG, um, we uh, had a lot of positive feedback from them, a lot of uh, a tremendous amount of factory support. Um, 
and uh, one thing led to another, and they connected us, reconnected us with Proton, and uh, we were able to, uh, you know, come up with a, a, a good game plan for 2021 for uh, GTLM in a Porsche RSR. What do you know about the, the history of the car itself? Already a lot of people since the announcement wondering if this is a brand new car, what are Proton's cars from, from last year. But it, it is a 19 RSR though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm trying to wrap my brain around all the numbers myself, but I believe, yeah, it's, it's called a 19 RSR, but it's the new 2021 spec. You know, Porsche always does lots of updates. So the car is fully updated to the, to the current 2021 RSR spec. Um, it is in fact, uh, Christian's car. Um, and, uh, it's, had some some racing history this past year but everything's will be brand new on it as as you could imagine uh for for daytona and the, the full season and tell us about the uh, the thought the thought process behind because this is full season this is not just for the rolex 24 and that's why everybody's so excited about it cooper to to be honest uh richard leitz kevin estra uh and Jimmy Bruni joining you for Daytona, um, all with big Porsche uh, connections there. I've got to say, mate, that's a, that's a tidy combination for the for the Rolex. Yeah, thanks, John. I, I appreciate the uh, the kind words, um, and uh, you're not the only one that thinks that. I've been looking on Twitter and, and, <laughs> and following it closely since the announcement came out about uh, oh an hour and thirty three minutes ago. Um, and, uh, everybody's saying the same thing, super strong lineup and, and look, you know, it, it takes, it takes tremendous amount of pre preparation, but it also takes a lot of lady luck. You know, we can't have any penalties. We can't have any contact. We can't have any tire punctures. We can't have any mechanical failures. You know, we have to have, uh, a, a perfect race, um, especially in GTLM because it's the best of the best racing against, uh, the factories, you know, we're a privateer team, uh, with a silver driver. Um, in the premier uh, class in the premier endurance racing championship in the country and, and uh, certainly uh, top, you know, series in the world as well. So um, it's going to take a lot of uh, a preparation. But as you said, strong lineup, Kevin, Jimmy and, uh, and Richard are, all have a, a tremendous amount of success with Porsche winning Le Mans um, in the pink pig with, with uh, you know, um, there's a lot of, a lot of really good things that, uh, that, that are happening and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting behind the wheel of the RSR to be completely honest with you. I've yet to drive the car, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> except for, uh, at, at Sebring, um, you know, a couple months ago when I drove our Coca-Cola RSR, uh, for a couple of the parade laps. Other than that, I, I have, have, have yet to turn a lap in anger as they say, um, in the RSR. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to driving it. And I know Porsche is, you know, in, in, in a lot of people's opinions, including mine, is the premier endurance racing manufacturer in the world um, with a tremendous, tremendous uh, track record. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm really looking forward to getting to work with the guys. And and also, you know, a lot of the Proton guys I, I know from the past. Um, and so there's already a lot of synergy there uh, to begin with. So, you know, we're, we're ready to hit the ground running. What happened to Christian's entry for the Rolex? I've got a few quick fire questions. We'll start with this one. Does this 
take over from that and then go through the rest of, of the season. So we're not going to see two Proton Porsches at, at Daytona, are we? Or are we? Negative. No. There's one Proton Porsche at Daytona, and that's my car. Right. And then that goes, it stays in the States, and, and Proton are going to run it uh, with you guys for the rest of the, the season. Who's going to be your co-drivers for the rest of the season? Are you hanging on to some of those Porsche factory guys? Yeah. No, uh, it'll be... Um, you know, with uh, all the other racing that, that Porsche does in the world, um, it'll be a, uh, a bit of a mix um, throughout the season. Um, we're trying to finalize the, the, the driver plans now, but um, as, you, as you already know, the, the lineup for Daytona is set. And then after that, it'll be a combination of Matthew Gemini as well as Matt Campbell. Ah. Right, very good, very good indeed. Uh, and Lamont Cooper as well for this. It would seem rude not to, to be honest. Yeah, that's uh, that was part of the deal with uh, with Christian is uh, the entry for IMSA included uh, the twenty four hours of Lamont. So we'll be there as well. The driver lineup is yet to be set for that race, so um, I I can't say anything about that now because I don't know who I'll be driving with. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not like you haven't uh, been mixing and matching drivers in the past and, and you've been able to uh, to fit in with a variety uh, of other other drivers. So you've got some experience of that. A lot of people asking. So I'm going to ask you this direct question. You'll have seen it on Twitter, on the uh, Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective as well, saying, hang on a minute, you're stepping up into a pro class. All right, fewer cars to compete against but in terms of the competition you're right in the the shark pool there you've done this before at Le Mans and, and what's the thinking behind that Cooper is is that to, for, for you to improve do you want to uh, put the team and Proton and Porsche and yourself up against the best of the best of the best as it were well you know John um, you know you as they say you are only, only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. So um, for me, uh, stepping up into GTLM, look, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we go to the racetrack to, uh, to win races and we, we prepare uh, everything possible in order to, in order to succeed. So um, whether we're in GTD, GTLM, or, you know, if I'm racing in Ferrari challenge, you know, everything is prepared to the highest standard and we, we are going to push as hard as possible. So, uh, yeah, sure. We're going up against platinum drivers with myself being a silver, mm -hmm. uh, in GTLM in the premier class, but, uh, look at my other co-drivers, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not, uh, we're not, uh, we're not, we're not frightened. We're ready for the, we're ready for the challenge. We know it's going to be, you know, slightly an uphill battle with, uh, with, uh, you know, with Corvette's success and, and how strong that team is and how strong the car has been this last season. But uh, look, we're, we're, we're prepared, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can possible to, uh, to, to, to prepare for, you know, getting a new watch here in a few weeks. Yeah, I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Listen, we've all had a, a tough 2020. It's been a bizarre year. We're going to kick off 2021. And I don't know who, who is going to be... Um, more confused, me, you, or Nick Tandy, because you're going to be racing against Nick Tandy. You're in a Porsche and he's in a Corvette. How the heck does that work? Yeah, yeah it's funny you mention that because Nick's a good friend of mine, so we've already had some conversations uh, uh, recently, but um, 
yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I just told him that, uh, you know, if I flash him one time with the headlights, he better better move over. Otherwise, I'm going to I'm going to move it myself. So <laughs> the old chrome horn. All right. Couple of quick questions to finish off with. And thanks for your time, uh, Cooper. You mentioned Ferrari Challenge and GTD. Um, so are you guys done with GTD and the, and the uh, and the association with Scuderia Corsa? now um, and there'll be people who want to know what's happening with those gtd cars are you going to keep hold of those just just in case there's an opportunity to do something else in gt3 around the world uh well yes and no um you kind of asked a few questions there yes we're done with gtd for the season obviously i'm putting my full effort into gtlm for this 2021 season Smart. no we're not done with Scuderia Corsa because I'll, I actually will, in fact, be racing Ferrari Challenge again this season, uh, hoping to win my fourth consecutive championship. Um, and as far as the cars goes, we, uh, we meaning my father, we own we own the cars, so they're our cars. So if, if we want to go racing somewhere else in the world, then we'll make that decision at that point in time. But right now, we're fully fo- fully focused on... GTLM with Porsche for 2021 and uh, Ferrari Challenge for me as, uh, you know, as something uh, that that I love to do. I love driving the Ferrari. I love the hospitality. I love the 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 level of, of trophies that they give out in Ferrari Challenge. Everything's handmade in Italy. It's beautiful. Everything's done really to the highest standard in Ferrari Challenge. So I'm really looking forward to, to racing that, that uh, championship again this year. But uh, like I said, we're, we're fully focused on, on GTLM with Porsche for 2021. And, uh, you know, my, my number one priority is winning Daytona. And uh, if we can win a championship after that, great. But right now, I'm fully focused on, on winning the Rolex. Uh, and we wish you all the best in that. Thank you very much for your time. I, I will say, from a, a purely aesthetic point of view, uh, the WeatherTech colours, I don't think, have looked any better in that new colourway that you guys debuted last year on the uh, on the RSR 19. And uh, I'm certainly going to be able to pick that one out in our coverage on IMSA Radio. Thanks for that. Of course, John. We did it for you, buddy. Uh, just for me. I know that. Best to your dad as well, Cooper. <laughs> Fantastic to have such positive news uh, coming into 2021. And thanks for joining us on Midweek Motorsport. Thanks for having me, John. We'll talk soon, buddy. That's uh, Cooper McNeil talking to me earlier on today, just after the announcement of the GT Le Mans full season entry for WeatherTech and Proton in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship with a decent driver lineup for Daytona. Let's talk about that with Shea Adam, who joins us for the first time in Series 16 2021. Happy New Year, Shea. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Very, very well indeed. Uh, and how do we find you after the holiday period? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, getting ready to see my parents here in a couple of days, just in isolation, uh, waiting for the period to elapse. And yeah, happy to be reunited with family once again. Will you pass on our very best to your mum and dad I will. from us, please? Uh, and uh, we, we wish them our, our very best. A uh, couple of interesting things that came out of Cooper. Lots of IMSA news to talk about as well. But let's pick up on that main story. First of all, it's a great story for IMSA and particularly for the GT Le Mans category, we sort of knew, and, and you and I talked about this, about the potential of the weather, air WeatherTech Ferrari for Daytona. Cooper quite happy to say that that fell through, 
boo-hoo. We don't have the Ferrari, but hooray, we get uh, <laughs> Porsche in the Rolex. And for the rest of the season, this is really good news indeed. It is, and it's much better than we had expected because there had been um, whispers and, and things a little bit louder than whispers, to be perfectly blunt, about the opportunity of the McNeils coming in to run in the GTLM class. But as you rightly say, it was whispers that were going to be a Ferrari. And then the more entries that were being announced for the GTLM class, the quieter the whispers got because the initial interest was when there were only going to be potentially mm -hmm. two cars running in the category, maybe four if you included the two BMWs. Well, now as the category stands, let me just pull back up my roster so far. I have one, two, three, four, five, six confirmed cars for the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona in the GT Le Mans class. Yes, that's down from a couple years ago when we had all the four GTs running and whatnot, mm. but that is still a phenomenal turnout considering we have five categories running in total. That's a very good point because we had GT uh, LMP3 uh, as well. I, I made the point to Cooper that they haven't been shy in doing this in the past. They stepped up uh, at Le Mans uh, into the GT, uh, effectively the GT Pro category, which, let's be honest, GT Le Mans in IMSA is GT Pro. You know, we, we've seen yeah. some privateer-entered cars in the past, but they've normally had a full pro entry. Cooper's still a silver. This, this is quite yeah. brave. Well, and, and here's the other part of it, too. The minimum drive time for the DPI and the GTLM class is not one hour, but two. So that is still a substantial chunk of time when you're considering a non-professional driver going up against the likes of every single other driver in the class has won some ginormous championship or Le Mans or fill in the blank for some race that you aspire yourself to maybe go to one day as a fan. So it's a very intimidating situation. And as Jim Roller always says, you know, you don't get the opportunity to be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is exactly what Cooper's coming up against, except he's not starting out in, you know, the preseason games. No, he's starting out practically in the in playoffs. The, yeah, he's in the Super Bowl. Yes, exactly. Under, understand that. Uh, the driver lineup with the Porsche factory drivers for Daytona, outstanding. I'm, yeah. I'm impressed and interested to hear about Matty Jaminet and Matt Campbell, who was inexplicably, to my mind, dropped by Porsche as one of their supported drivers. But it looks like he's going to get some gainful employment. And that's very good news for him and, frankly, for us. Yeah. Um, Matt Campbell in a race car on American circuits is always a lot of fun. It's very much like sticking him at Bathurst week in and week out. Um, that will be a very fun driver combination for sure. And especially when you consider Matty uh, drove over here a couple years ago with Faf in uh, two, well, in one race, he drove with Faf in another race. He drove in another Porsche in the GTD category. He's driven in GTLM to my count three times, maybe uh, Daytona, uh, no, might actually be two times. One of those getting the win at Petit Le Mans not very long ago. So um, he's had a lot of success in that category, and he definitely will be a strength to that WeatherTech Ferrari, uh, WeatherTech Porsche, excuse me, dollar in the jar first there time this year. There you go. Oh. <laughs> um, full season entry. Um, we know that that Corvette Racing will be a full season entry. We're not sure about anything else uh, at the moment. Uh, Le Mans, 
yeah, tick in the box. Cooper quite happy to say yeah. that, that that was the plan. That's getting that out there early. Whenever Le Mans happens this year, whether it's June or push back to September again. And in some ways, that this gives them an even better chance at Le Mans because they'll have had at least the same machinery all year, Shay. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, um, I've been friends with Cooper for quite a few years now. Um, don't want to age myself on that. But Cooper has never ever 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 been bashful about what he is looking for in his racing career he wants to win daytona and he wants to win Le Mans. and when you ask him which one he wants to win more he sort of looks like you just ask him which puppy he wants to keep uh there it's a very difficult decision Le Mans ultimately is his end goal that's the race that he wants to win more than anything else but in the month of january all his focus is going on winning the Rolex. And with Estra, Leitz, and Bruni sharing the car with him, on paper, it's an excellent lineup. Now, when you look back at their histories a little bit, the only one of those four drivers who's come away with a Rolex is Richie Leitz. He's done it twice. So there is a little bit of unfinished business for the other two as well. That could be a strength. That could make them all hungrier. Yeah, I think it's good news. Uh, the car looks great. If you've seen the tweets, if you haven't, get onto the collective or follow at Speculatement or at IMSA Radio. Uh, we've got the car livery up there. It looks absolutely fantastic in the red, red, white, and blue WeatherTech. Not now, not just the black and white, red, white, and blue that uh, we we saw. I think debuted last year, didn't we, uh, in the championship on there? GT Daytona, Ferrari. We yeah. wish them well, and you know, it's it's confirmation of the McNeil's family's commitment to to IMSA and, uh, you know, fair play uh, on that. Let's pick up some more IMSA news, Shay, and I'm, I'm going to go back a couple of weeks since we haven't been on air. You mentioned the cars in GT Le Mans at Daytona. Reese are going to be back. Yeah, Reese have announced that they're going to run once again at the 24 Hours uh, Rolex, but they are people... They're a team and, and a family. I use that word, actually, instead. Mm. They come back every year to try and run the Rolex because they've had the heartbreak and the devastation. And even going back to last year, I remember Joe Bradley and I were just about to switch off in the pits when the Reese Ferrari stopped in its pit box uh, in the morning, late morning hours of that race. And I let Joe do the interview with James Collado as he got out of the car, you know, bravely letting him uh, take that one. Um, but yeah, James Collado back again, Alessandro Pierguidi, Davide Rigon, and they are joined by their Le Mans favorite, Jules Gunion, who's run with them two times now. He ran in GTD last year with Meyer Shank Racing and one of their Acuras, but there is no Meyer Shank Racing Acura in GTD this year. Jules has been pulled into GTLM, and that is a confirmed four driver lineup now we anticipate that if bmw were to run in gtlm they too would bring four driver lineups making the only non-four driver lineups in category belonging to corvette racing yeah which we've seen them happen before but but correct they, they have also found other drivers when they needed to dave alcock said uh, great to hear that uh Reese's fast on the finger isn't he um any further <laughs> involvement in 2021 imza from racy we've not heard anything yeah i think they'd like to do it but they have been cherry picking races in the last few years here it's very interesting that the determination as to whether or not Reese participates in more races at 2020 aside and it is very uh easy to say that because 2020 was such a strange year has often been reliant on their performance at the Rolex. Now, Giuseppe Risi, if he had his way, he would have them running every race in every series in the world, but they focus on winning the long endurance races. They want Daytona. 
and they want Lamont. So it depends on their Lamont invite as to whether or not they'll come to Sebring, uh, if you see what I mean, as to, to where their attention will be focused. Yeah, good point. I'm, I'm going to try and do these in something like chronological order, working oh boy. Uh, back up to now. Dragon Speed, Endurance Cup, LMP2. Oh, what, okay. what a great lineup uh, in that car with Hordis Grist, uh, Renus VK, and Ben Hanley for the 24 hours. Yeah, this is a very fun story to come off of Dragon Speed. They've won the Rolex two years now in the LMP2 category. Rob Hodis, Garris Grist, Renus VK, and Ben Hanley, the defending Rolex winner in that car. They've got a second car. Now, that car has been announced as the 81. They've got a second car. Traditionally, when Dragon Speed has won the Rolex, they've done 81 and 18. They've written a press release. They've said that their number 18 car, <laughs> yes. which was the first announced let's put it out there this way Very they first good. announced that eric's luck eric's lux would be in an orica they didn't say a number then uh now eric has been announced as being joined by devlin de francesco audi sport gt factory driver christopher mees and that's important because he's not relinquishing that title he's still mm. going to be a full season uh, driver for Audi. He's just doing this little foray into LMP2 with their permission. Which is and exactly also, what we were talking about earlier on, about Audi and other manufacturers getting their works drivers some P2 experience before they come into LMDH. It's brilliant. Yes. Isn't that convenient that we're mm. seeing that happening over and over again? Um, and then Fabian Schiller is also oh. joining them. At, but he is a silver-rated Mercedes factory driver, so figure that out, because typically if you're a factory driver, you're a platinum-rated mm -hmm. driver. Um, but the reason that I mention the number is because they run as number 18 whenever they run the Rolex. Well, can't do that anymore. We've got a full-season entrant of Era Motorsport, who ran last year full-season with the number 18. And there is very much a battle going on because both teams feel that they have filed their paperwork correctly and they have been told that they have been granted that number. This is the second time so far this year for this season that we have had oh, this yes. situation arise because 48 is Jimmy Johnson's number, but it's also Paul Miller's number. Yep. Paul Miller will not be running the 48. I have it on good authority that they were given a number um, – that's previously been reserved for people that couldn't otherwise get it, but uh, that will be an announcement to oh. come in the future oh. as to what number they get to run. But they had their number taken away from them without finding out about it, you know, from a, a secondary source. I have a feeling that oh. ERA is experiencing oh. much the same. Oh, 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 I know what that oh, number's oh, going to oh. be. Oh, oh. Is it a single number? You're not a very allowed to say it, though, down. John. Single number? Perhaps. Because is they've got a sponsor number? that that would... Is it how many hats? Um, okay, because they've got a sponsor that would fit in very nicely with that. Uh, no, no, no. That's that's a different team. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no. But is that is that the number I'm thinking of? Uh, the number you're thinking of, uh, the loneliest number. Yes. Uh, that's the card that you are thinking yep. of. Excellent. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, the five of spades. Yeah, exactly. Five of spades. <laughs> Always a five of spades. Um, so there's yep. going to be a fight about the 18 as well. 18, 118, yes. 81, 811, infinity. Who knows? Put the eight on the side, make it infinity. Um, who knows? They'll, they'll sort it out. Uh, no, thanks, <laughs> uh, Tim. I've already, I've already eaten. Um, I'd love some. <laughs> oh, there's fridge cake here. Uh, Eve's oh. Eve made fridge cake. And I'm you should go to, to Oregon, away. Shay, if you're allowed to go to Oregon. Lovely pie in Oregon. Lovely pie. Uh, Mission well, Pilot yeah. Challenge from a couple of weeks ago. AWA okay. coming back in a McLaren GT4 uh, with a couple of decent yes. drivers. 
Yeah, so this is actually very exciting news. And thank you for reminding me about this, John, because this is one of those uh, stories that came in right around Christmas time. So it, it did get buried further down in my mind. Um, last year, Kuno Whitmer and Ori Fadani were going to run a full season in Michelin Pilot Challenge. Then with the border being shut down and travel becoming too difficult, the Canadian-based team elected to only run north of the border and not do anything in uh, proper well, I was going to say proper North America, but Canada is even more proper North America than where I am right now. Um, they, they didn't do anything in the U.S. They came out and set the pole position at the race for Daytona and then didn't race again all year uh, in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. They're back. They're coming back with a vengeance and they will be a formidable duo starting things out with the four hour race at the Roar in a couple weeks time. And they are going to be a very, very good combination with that McLaren. Uh, and, uh, oh yes, we've got MX-5 in the, uh, in the IMSA paddock again from next year. And a former champion is going to carry on climbing the development series in IMSA, heading to uh, PPM Lamborghini, uh, uh, with a very decent core driver indeed. I did not see this oh. story. Who's that? Right. Well, this, uh, well, first of all, his teammate is Brandon Godovic and Brian Ortiz yeah. has signed with oh. PPM for the 2021 Super uh, Trophy. Um, there will be, I presume, in the Pro-Am part of uh, that and running with ppm they know how to run cars as oh. well so that's a that's a nice step up for for brian ortiz and brandon brandon godovic is is just brilliant behind the wheel of one of those super trophy oh. evos so brian will learn from him yeah that is a mega news story that that really puts a smile on my face to hear about that combination and um i know i've said it before but brandon godovic does not get enough accolades he is great. a full um, full effort person, not even racing driver, because he does push his own car through tech. He's there wrenching on the car, wearing his fire suit, but doing all the work that the mechanics do because his dad owns the team. And if he doesn't help the team go, it's not going to go. So he understands every aspect of that race car. I respect him so much. I think that's a great combination, he great. and Brian. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for Brian when he puts his foot down for the first time coming onto a straight. And there's a whole lot of horsepower all of a sudden. He's got as much horsepower as the whole MX-5 global grid exactly. under under one foot. Uh, Mission Pilot <laughs> Challenge. Uh, Gavin Enstone and John Morley are back and holding on to an Audi. Um, I uh, love it. Which is against the grain in what might as well be called the Hyundai TCR Challenge. Uh, but the the notchback, the, the saloon version of the RS3, same shape as your car, Shay, so you'll be watching these guys uh, at Road Chagger very carefully. Yeah, if any parts fall off, guys, I'll just, you know, take them back and uh, hide them in my garage and maybe bolt them on my car. You know, just just want to flash it. That's all I'm asking for. Um, no, I am so happy that these guys are coming back because especially when you consider last year, it, it was the Hyundai Cup. There's no denying it. They got way more podiums than anyone else. They got um, triple the amount of wins as any other manufacturer. But the other manufacturer who came home with wins was Audi. And of Audi, it was two wins for Road Shagger Racing. They're the little guys. They're the ones who try to do the faster pit stops. And you know what? They are the little guys to take the fight to the big guys. And I appreciate that so much. We're up to eight confirmed Hyundais by my last count. So uh, it's nice to see that we still get some variety in the class. 
Um, we Our big story and our big interview was uh, Cooper McNeil and WeatherTech moving into GT Le Mans, the team that they have left, although as you heard... Cooper saying he'll still be racing with Scuderia Corsa in Ferrari Challenge. They're not going away. They're going to stay in the GT Daytona class. And at least for the 24 hours at Daytona this month, uh, Giacomo Matoli has signed up a very decent lead driver, most recently, <laughs> um, who's been gainfully employed by Wayne Taylor Racing. Yeah, and uh, if you're looking for a plug-and-play accessory and all of your options are on the board for you, why not pick up a Ryan Briscoe, 12 series wins, 26 series podiums. Oh, yes, and three Rolexes, so one more than arms he has attached on him. Uh, going for another one this year alongside Brett Curtis, Marcos Gomez, and Ed Jones. Now, this is an interesting combination, though, because um, Brett is a guy who's who's done quite a few starts in IMSA. He's been there and thereabouts. He's got a couple of wins, actually, running with Turner from a few years ago. Marcos Gomez, always fast at Daytona, but never had the luck. And Ed Jones, who ran IndyCar for a very long time, but this is a new foray for him. Sports car racing and multi-class racing with four classes of cars that are faster than you that's going to be a very steep learning curve. We've been wondering, you mentioned five classes at the Rolex, we've been wondering what adding LMP3, effectively prototype challenge in IMSA speak, into the WeatherTech Championship would do to the prototype challenge. Um, well, we could tell you there'll be at least two cars as uh, Junior 3 Racing have expanded and added an extra car, uh, one of which is a bit of a family affair. Uh, would that be the Palmers again? Uh, uh, well, now, yes, two family affairs then. Greg and Eric Palmer, <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. I've forgotten about that. Greg and Eric are back, but Ari Baylog has got his daughter Natasha with him in the second <gasps> car. No way. Yeah. Oh, my, oh my goodness, goodness. I know fantastic. something that she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been a little bit um, lax on reading the news because no, all, all right. the news has just been so... Um, so much of a, a Debbie Downer, but that is seriously an upper to hear. Um, Ari is one of those guys who has served his time. He's helped so many non-professional drivers come to terms with their cars, and he really has been the, I just use the words plug and play, but that's sort of his role. He's driven uh, BMWs, Aston Martins, you name it. He's, he's been with three different teams over the course of one season, and to give him the opportunity to try and teach his own daughter how to do this. Oh, man, I'm, I'm emotional over that. It's good, isn't it? It really is yeah. very, very good uh, indeed. Uh, also, LMP3, um, and this is an interesting one uh, as well, Mulner uh, with uh, a couple hmm. uh, in uh, the uh, WeatherTech Championship prototype challenge class. Uh, Belgium-based team, uh, of course, Going to do the full season, uh, according to Bernard Milner. Uh, they've got two Duke and D08s, D08s as well. Um, they'll have one in the prototype challenge for Lawrence Her and Maury Krantz um, in the first round at Daytona. The other chassis um, will be in the raw before the 24 and the, and the 24 hours. Um, they haven't mentioned any drivers. Six LMP3 cars expected to be on the ground for on the grid for the Rolex 24, uh, Riley, Core, Performance Tech, Sean Creech, Motorsport, uh, 
for whom, um, by the way, Xiao Barbosa, I'm hearing, might be for Sean Creech's ooh. team, which would be pretty um, good. Two cars for Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the driver lineup for both of the Rileys and the core entry still waiting on performance tech as well. Okay. They have yet to announce their driver lineup for LMP3 in uh, IMSA. Right. Well, we've got uh, previews coming up for that in uh, a little while. So much news. So much news. <laughs> Thank goodness we're not actually at Daytona this weekend. Austin Dillon and Sally Yolick uh, for Eurasia's lineup at the Rolex 24. Yes, this one's really interesting. LMP2, I should say, yeah. Yeah, with Rick Ware Racing, uh, mm. Cody Ware, who is the LMP2 AM champion in the Asian Le Mans series last year. Um, he tried to run the Rolex last year. The car actually did not make the start of the race. Sally Yolick making his Rolex debut after winning the 24 Hours of Le Mans last year in GTE AM. And then Austin Dillon. Now, Austin's interesting because I remember Austin Dillon. And, oh, my God, I sound so old when I say it like that. Um, <laughs> I remember him in uh, from from the early truck days when he was doing the Camping World uh, Series trucks. He was teammates with one of my friends. And he was, uh, to put it bluntly, pretty bad at turning left and right. He had to do a lot of work on that to be able to participate and compete effectively in the road courses. And he has gotten a lot better. He's been very good at Watkins Glen and Sonoma over certain of those events over the course of years. But I'm curious to see what he does with the proper roof over his head because that was an issue for him. But I'll be honest, that was, what, 12 years ago. Uh, we'll do all the Hyundai news in one uh, bit at the moment. Uh, Motorsport in action. Um, back with uh, the McLaren 570S GT4. Same driver lineup and everything. So that mm. is going to be another round of fun. They got a win last year and uh, they're going for a championship this year, but it's still very much about teaching Shana Monk and trying to expand upon that um, that flash of brilliance we saw at Road America to try and get her to do that at every track. So this is still another year where they're learning, not necessarily a year where they're going to go for the championship, but they are going for more wins. Right. Let's rattle through the um, Hyundai news. I can't quite but we could probably do a full programme uh, on this. Let's start with CB Motorsports making their IMSA Michelin Challenge debut. Uh, they've most recently been racing in TC America, so it's not as if they are without some experience. Uh, Mark Varme, who we've seen in IMSA before, with Trenton Estep and Caleb, uh, Caleb Bacon uh, will be yeah. in that car. What do you know about those guys? Well, I know that that's now your favorite lineup just because you get to say bacon all the time during that four-hour race. Um, Mark Vame and Trenton Estep, very interesting combination. Um, Mark actually brought Trenton back out of, um, I don't want to say retirement, no. but a lack of racing after he won the GT3 Cup Challenge Championship a couple of years ago. He then didn't drive a race car for about eight months, and it was Mark Vame who got him back into a car in an Alpha at Road America that's to right. get him back into driving things so i like the idea of them teamed up again in a hyundai i think that we'll see a lot of strong performance out of trent nesta because now he has had a whole what one and a half races in a front wheel drive car so he'll, he'll be fine he'll do fine you sound like you're next to a race truck no it's just the ambient okay um van der Steer racing uh, dennis dupont and rory van der Steer in a veloster n uh that at that time, that was the eighth Hyundai confirmed for the class. But we've got one more to talk about yet. So there will be, I reckon, nine um, yep. if 
fingers and toes are working. Um, We're running out of them, though, John. Yeah, well, yes. Um, we got Va- one left. Van der Stair, um, I remember from running all kinds of things in um, endurance uh, racing. Um, didn't they? They did Sebring, didn't they? Yes, they did. Um, they did Sebring with uh, Rory and Danny Formal was Correct. their uh, driver lineup. They're bringing both of them back and then adding in Dennis Dupont to join them for the longer race at Daytona um, with the latter two being the full season drivers. Uh, Danny was with them, I believe, only at Sebring, and I think he's only doing the first race. I, I don't know. I, I can't get an honest answer on that one. Um, but they're, they're a very interesting group because um, they had to bring a rented truck and trailer to Sebring because they didn't actually have theirs for that weekend. Um, but they're, as you say, they've got roots in prototype racing. They're an effective race team. They just are learning this new TCR car. Uh, we knew that Copeland Motorsport had Tyler Maxson and Tyler Gonzalez. They've added a second Veloster N. Uh, Mason Felipe teamed up with a, uh, an Olympian. Yeah, this is interesting. So AJ Muss uh, drove last year at Daytona. I believe he was in one of the Alphas, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was a Hyundai. I can't remember now. Um, didn't have a great first experience. But when you're teamed up with Mason Felipe, who not only is a great coach, but is a former series champion, you're on pretty good standing to try and get all this going together. But now here's the interesting twist. He's planning to compete, Must this is, in the 2021 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Um, How's that going to work if you're doing a full season of racing? So he might just get the racing bug, and we'll see what happens with the Olympics. Uh, um, In what discipline, if he's a snowboarder? That's the question we've got to find out. Uh, And finally, (laughs) uh, because we haven't got time for very much more, uh, I said it would take us a while. And finally, non-Hundian news, back in the WeatherTech Championship. We'll finish off with that as that was our big story. No Townsend Bell in the Vassar Sullivan Lexus. Uh, He has been replaced. Yeah, so this was something that I heard about a couple months, maybe not a couple months. Well, no, I think it was November, actually. It was, yeah. Um, There was a Lexus test. And Zach Veach was at this test. He was driving the Lexus. Now, this was his first time to drive a GT car because I believe he ran in the series in a prototype of PC car a few years back. I remember having a a lunch with him at Marion's, and she was so impressed with him and how humble he was. Um, But this is a very different machine from the Indy car, which is a very different machine from the PC car. So for Zach Beach, multi-class racing, once again, very similar story to Ed Jones. You're coming in, you're in the slowest category of car, and all of a sudden you're expected to be the most senior, most professional driver in that car. You're expected to get the lap times out of it. That's going to be a very big challenge for Zach. And I really hope he doesn't underestimate that challenge because he's coming out of IndyCar, which in and of itself is such a large challenge. Right, that's the IMSA News. Stay with us uh, here on Midweek Motorsport. Share Adam uh, with us. It's Series 16, Episode 1. And Tim Gray has a question. No, I don't. Oh, okay. I have a next, the next story, which is IndyCar, which has got some All calendar right. news because they have moved like the their St. Petersburg season opener from March the 7th to April the 25th, which means it's no longer the season opener. That will be held at Barber Motorsports Park <laughs> on April the 11th. But yes. there was a good thing with the, the calendar change in that it no longer clashes 
with something it was supposed to be clashing with, which was Sonoma uh, weekend for World Challenger um, American GT. I can never remember that name. Why can I never remember that name? Um, but that was a calendar conflict. So that does open up some of the drivers who were hoping to coach people in the MX-5 challenge, but then they couldn't because they had a duties elsewhere. And that brings us on to Sonoma news because there's a new general manager at Sonoma Raceway. That's Jill Gregory, uh, formerly NASCAR's executive vice president and chief marketing and content, content officer. She replaces Steve Page, who announced his retirement in August after 20 years in charge. Uh, Ever since I was a young girl, my cousins brought me to NASCAR races at Sonoma when I was in high school, Gregory said in a statement. I've been a true fan of this place for most of my life and now I'm blessed with a leadership opportunity to return and inspire others to have the same love for the region as I do. Uh, Gregory joined NASCAR in 2007. Her duties include leading the sanctioning bodies, marketing, media, communications, broadcasting and diversity and inclusion functions. I love Sonoma uh, as a track infineon as it was at various times uh, by the way for those of you who have just checked your calendars and said oh hang on a minute moving to the 25th of april means it clashes with the imsa weather tech sports car championship at laguna sega no 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 that's <laughs> already as, as moved before back. christmas we, yes i know but people will have forgotten it does still clash with the 24-hour series at spa the british gt championship at snetterton and the international gt open at portimao in Portugal, but I suspect there's not that much crossover, crossover between GT3s in Portimao and IndyCars. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, Nick Damon's still with us. Hello, everyone. Uh, Nick and Hi. Shay. Happy New Year. And John. Happy New Year, Shay. Oh, I forgot to say Happy New Year, yeah. Shay. Happy New Year, Tim. What do the following drivers have in common? Uh-oh. Right. Jan Lammers. Yep. Jackie X. Yep. Ivan Muller, mm-hmm. yep. Colin McRae, mm-hmm. Liam Griffin. All drove rallycross. They've all driven in three different things oh. that are in common, and you need to tell me what those three things are. Oh. Right. Mm. Okay. Uh, Le Mans? Le Mans. Le Mans 24 hours is yeah. one of them, obviously. Um, Liam Griffin. What's that? What's that rally that Tim loves? The one that starts with an M. Monte Carlo. That's it. No, you mean the Mountain Gorilla Rally. Mountain Gorilla. The The Mountain Gorilla Rally. Thank you. From the uh, Rwandan Rally Championship. No, it's not that. Oh. Is it Rally Cross? The other one? No. No. Rallying. British Mm. touring cars. British touring cars. Yes, that's the second one. And. Something it's got Liam, to be Liam Griffin only so. qualifies for this question by virtue of something happening right now. Uh, uh, Dakar rally, the Dakar get in. Ooh. That was it. That was in fairness, you give us a big cl- clue there. I should have got yes. that, but Jackie X, I should have thought of. Yeah, Nasser Alatia took, especially as I said, he won it in 1983 earlier on in the show. Uh, Nasser yeah. Alatia took his third stage win in a row in Saudi Arabia today to chip away at Stefan Peter Hansel's overall lead. The Toyota driver ended the fourth day of action four minutes, 58 seconds ahead of Peter Hansel, who has won the event a record 13 times on two wheels and four, but yet to take a stage this year. Uh, Spaniard Carlos Sainz, who is Peter Hansel's teammate and defending champion, climbed back to third overall. Uh, but he's still 36 minutes off the lead. Nine times World Rally Champion Sebastian Loeb. 
was fourth, another 12 minutes behind. Dutch driver Ben Hudson Brinker retired after rolling his Toyota pickup heavily yesterday. In the motorbike yeah, category... But the, the... Isn't Sebastian Loeb tremendously um, non-plused, as they would say, with the organisation, though? Yeah, he was not very complimentary. In the motorbike category, Xavier de Sucre took the lead for Husqvarna with Spaniard Joan Barreda. 15 seconds behind after winning today's stage. However, Indian rider Sia Santosh is out of the rally and in hospital in Riyadh after an accident Ooh. 135 kilometres into today's stage. Husqvarna's Paul Spearings was the first to arrive at the crash scene, finding Santosh unconscious. He said, when I stopped my bike just before the rock so that no one else could crash over it, I pushed the emergency button. After I got at him, we did resuscitation and after 15 <sighs> minutes, three helicopters from the organisation arrived. But at this stage, his heart was already beating again. ASO issued an update wow. to say the 37-year-old is in an induced coma to avoid being shaken and will undergo scans on Thursday to determine the seriousness of his injuries. His hero team said he suffered a trauma in the head, has been sedated and will be under observation overnight. Wow, well done for pulling over. That's extraordinary stuff. Let's move on to bikes. Can we lose share now then? No, because oh, uh, we've got NASCAR still oh. to come. Oh, NASCAR, right, okay. So bikes, we're, then. We're going to race through these bike stories. We've also got another story that Shane might be interested in. Uh, okay. There is a rumour mm-hmm. that Davide Brivio, the man behind yes. Suzuki's title glory last season, uh, will join the Alpine F1 Formula 1 team. Yeah, it's gone past a rumour, isn't it? It's apparently it's going to get announced tomorrow. Ooh. This is this is actually an extraordinary story when you think about it, Nick, isn't it? Because Davide, um, not so very long ago, in fact, this time last year, we were talking to Davide in our comms box in Dubai about what a difficult season it was going to be for him because they didn't have a satellite team at Xstar Suzuki and, you know, what was going to be happening and how much... He, he clearly does love his cars as well. He's a lovely, lovely fella. I really enjoyed chatting to him. And gets the... Gets the championship this year, uh, both the drivers and the the riders and the manufacturers. To no, the riders team. went to Ducati. Uh, the teams went to Ducati. Teams did, but the manufacturers went to Suzuki. Did it? Mm-hmm. Sure. Missed out on the teams. Um, no, I think manufacturers because they they choose their best one out of four. That's one of the reasons why you want a satellite team. Ah, uh, yes, probably right. Actually, um, anyway, um, and it looks like. Suzuki are building on the success. There will be a satellite team at the latest in a couple of years' time, and he gets poached away by Alpine. You can't imagine him. Or does he think, do you think in his head, well, I've done it now. What else have I got? It's all downhill from here. He's not going to well, get my, Suzuki my, um, another title, is he? My uh, feeling about, well, maybe they will do. There's no, there's no, why would he not get Suzuki another title? With because the right riders. The, the only person who could stop that is very unlikely to be turning up until June or July at the earliest. Yeah, indeed. If he's got any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, which obviously he hasn't, but let's no, actually well, talk some on. sense into him. Move um, on. We've done that. But, no, I, mean, I, would, I would expect that Davide, glowing from a sense of satisfaction and a job well done, had this thing called a massive check waved under his nose. And that's not obviously um, Thomas <laughs> any particular driver from the Czech Republic. Um but it's um, a large amount of money written on a piece of paper because, you know, he's, it looks like the role he's been taken on to do is not as I kind of hope, which would be play Cyril Bitebrul as a team principal, but actually to run as a CEO and, and put together an organisation yeah. that can effectively punch above its weight and find the right people for the right slots, which is exactly what he did with Suzuki. True. 
Uh, next story, Paul Espargaro is a Works Honda driver, rider. Rider. No, he's not. He's a Works Honda rider. Yes, he is. Well done. Terrific. He's got. He's, he's team leader until um, uh, Marquez comes back. In fact, he is the team until Marquez comes back. Unless yeah, well, they going to ride, ride for them. There is a test that's apparently still going to happen in Sepang mm. in a couple of weeks, which is quite brave, I think. Um, Not and going to at happen. that point, we'll find out. Well, yeah, yeah, it's apparently it's still happening. And if it did happen, we'd find out who who um, HRC were running, which I assume we bridle again. Um, they certainly haven't pulled the pin on uh, on Dovi yet. Um, I assume they're trying to ass- assess how long it is before um, sensibly Marquez can come back. What's Jorge Lorenzo been up to? He's been the masked singer Spain. No, he, he has been not. on the masked he singer has. Spain. Yes. I can't remember what he was, though. What was he? He was the crow. He was the crow. Okay. You do realise that most of our listeners have no clue what you're talking about. Oh, Everyone no, it's knows in what every the Mars singer, singer is. It's the Mars everywhere. singer's in every country, John. I don't know what the Mars singer is. You should watch it. It's very good. I'm sure it well, is. Basically, what it is, is it's, it's what Norbert It's like, what's my line, but with masks? And singing. How many hats? But they're wearing a complete outfit. Okay, how many outfits? <laughs> Okay, fine. I mean, in fairness, whether you want to program or not, look up the stills because the actual costumes in all of these countries are unbelievable. Yes. The costumes are amazing. The concept is dull and massively stretched out longer than it needs to be, probably to pay for the costumes, which are amazing. And by the way, Tom Firth says Suzuki did get teams, Ducati got manufacturers. Oh, that's that's what I meant, manufacturers. Yeah, okay, we had it the wrong way around. Uh, British Superbike Championship Thanks, has Tom. unveiled some uh, rule changes. Uh, mainly, uh, that involves a 33-race uh, calendar next year. Mm-hmm. Playoffs back? Playoffs are back, uh, as it's called a showdown. Um, the main season will consist of 24 races, and then points will be awarded to the first 15 finishes in those races. After the 24th race, the top eight riders go into the... Wasn't uh, it six before? It was six before. Was Top six, eight yeah. will now go into the showdown. They'll be called title fighters. They'll be elevated to a oh, thousand right. points each, with podium points accrued in the main what? season. So five hundred wasn't enough then. They had to go to a thousand. Absolutely, because after twenty-four races, why are they, give, why are they just giving them fifty closer. million points? Give them fifty million points each. Um, teams are not allowed to test overseas anymore. Well, that's not very useful. I'm not sure that's a great idea. Uh, and they're only I don't, I don't 16 see the point days of, of testing in the UK. Well, yeah, but if you if you want to test, which people do before the season starts, that to me just sounds like I don't think it's actually an economy. But I think it's not that much more expensive to to run your truck down to Portsmouth or Hareth than it is to run it up to a, a British track where it's too wet and damp to ride properly. That it to costs me sounds a lot like less to hire uh, Portsmouth for a day than it does to hire Donington Park for a really? day. I mean, that's almost... I, I think that's a really retrograde step. Uh, Grissoni has COVID quite seriously. <sighs> yeah, this is this is very, very nasty. Just before the turn of the year, 27th, I think, Fausto Grissoni ha- was taken into hospital in Bologna and he, he went into a coma because of low blood oxygen saturation levels. Um the latest I managed to get from the team, who um, are a Aprilia's 
factory entering in 2021, but it's going to be a, um, an independent outfit from 2022, um, is that they were thinking of bringing him out of the coma um, and gradually looking at his level of um, waking, uh, basically, and bringing him out of the coma very, very slowly. So Fausto and the rest of the Grassini team, um, we think about you and hopefully you will get well soon. Uh, proof, if proof were needed, how nasty uh, it can be. Fausto Grassini, we uh, wish you the best. Uh, NASCAR now, and the final seat that didn't have a full-time driver in it, but was expected to have a full-time driver in it, has been filled, and it has been filled by Anthony Alfredo, a name that not many people know, Shay. By Pasta, or Fast Pasta, as he's known. Uh, Is it really? Tony Pasta? Yes. Uh, Yeah, yep, that that is his nickname. No, he is not a mobster. I do (laughs) like a good Alfredo. There's a slight difference. There's There's a subtle but slight difference. Um, between uh, an Alfredo uh, and what Eve always does, the Alfredo sauce uh, and an Eve's <laughs> favourite sauce. But I do like a good Alfredo. Well, Anthony Alfredo has been uh, named to be the other driver for Front Row Motorsports in their Cup Championship with Michael McDowell returning. Um, it's going to be the first time that the team has actually run two full-time cars and a third car for David Reagan every now and then. And then Todd Gilliland coming back for the Camping World Truck Series, too. So they're going to be a busy team this year. And on the subject of Gilliland, David Gilliland Racing is a new name for DGR Crossley in the NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, because they've dropped the Crossley brand with um, Bo Lamastus, the man behind Crossley, uh, selling his stake in the team to Johnny Gray. No uh, relation. Um <laughs> Bowler Masters stays in a marketing and sponsorship uh, capacity. Uh, and Johnny Gray said, I've been part of DGR for the past two years with my grandsons, grandsons, Tanner and Taylor, and I'm impressed with the growth and progress the team has made in such a short amount of time. Being able to invest in a growing organisation is a great opportunity, and I'm looking forward to being a part of helping the drivers reach their full potential. So basically, he's bought a team for his grandchildren to race in. Uh, and finally, women are going to explode in 2021. Really? Are they, are they, are they, are they feeding them a jet ignite or something? This is an appalling headline that if it had it been a press appalling release, headline. would have been pointless press release of the week. Um, right. But it's actually attributed to Catherine Legg. Right. Um, right. Who says uh, 2021 is well out doubt a huge year in the world of motorsport and the continued aim is to get more women involved in racing. Uh, I wish I was 20 years younger, she said. Well, how old was she then, at 15? Which would be perfect for just starting a motorsport career. She's she's 40 now, by the way. No! Mm -hmm. Do not say that out loud. She knows where you live. I know where she lives. I know where her parents live. I used to work just around the corner from her parents' house. Uh, Awkward. More... (laughs) More female news, though, uh, in that Pippa Mann uh, needs to go to the Nordschleife and uh, do some laps because she and she Christina Nielsen will be joining the all-girls team of Celia Martin and Carrie Schreiner. And the team is switching from a TCR car to a GT4 car. What GT4 car do we know? Um, I did read this, but I can't remember now. That, that is, that's a lot of I think work it might be a Mercedes. Do. Okay, um, pretty easy car to get on with, so I'm told. Um, 
this is all down to the fact that they want to do the 24 hours at the Nürburgring, yes. currently scheduled for the same weekend as Le Mans Test Weekend, IMSA at Detroit and about a million other things. Um, s- something we'll have to give in brackets there somewhere. Um, and to do that, of course, Pippa's got to get her permit, which means, first of all... Um, in fact, Christina's probably got to get a permit as well, hasn't she? She needs to uh, renew her permit because it's been a while since she raced at the Nurburgring. Uh, yeah, st- and, and and it's an Audi. I oh, it's an Audi. It. I knew Audi. it was something right, German. Okay. Right. Um, I, I think renewing is the same as starting from scratch. You might not have to do the simulator, dear, but I think you've still got to do the races in the low-powered car. So the, the likelihood is then that we'll see Christina and Pippa in... Um, a TCR or a GT, a low-powered GT4 car um, in some of the early races of the NLS, Tim? Is that what the yes, plan is? they're going to do all of the NLS and the N24. If oh, are they? Plan. No. Oh, right, OK. Um, we should have some news about our uh, continuation of our exclusive English language coverage in sound and vision of the NLS, what used to be called the VLN, and the Nürburgring 24, which is not part of the championship, in the next few Weeks and for those asking about our coverage, uh, we're getting to it. Uh, the responsible adult was in the office until half past ten last night, putting uh, deals together with various series and partners. And as soon as we've got some news for you, we will let you know. Is that all we've got time for? So we've Tim? got time for it's uh, ten o'clock. And coming up, a tribute to Brian Jones uh, with him featuring in our. A Brick Car 24 programme from what year? Race coverage from this what year? 2007. Excellent stuff. Uh, thanks He'll, to Cooper McNeil. He and you will be joined in the commentary box. All right. Um, by some other people. Uh, Excellent. Marcus it Simmons worth... and Matt James are in the pits. And Robin Murphy is in the uh, isolated box at Stowe. Um, listen to that. It's it's wonderful. It's Brian at his absolute best. The other who's in the pits reporting on a, a terrible lack of raspberry ripple ice cream um, was uh, one of my favourites as well. Brian, we miss you already. Listen to that coming up. Uh, thanks to Cooper McNeil and particularly uh, to Kyle Chura for setting that up. To Tim Gray, our executive producer, Shea Adam and Nick Damon. I'm John Hynoff. And there's no time to explain because the llama is wishing you a happy new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com. Happy New Year.